off on command. WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Young Hogan apologized to Pittsburgh and said he will not drink again. At least that's what the translator says Gung said. Gung was probably saying, I'll drink what I want. I will never stop drinking and driving. I'm drunk right now. But the translator said, oh, Young Ho is very sorry and will never drink again. I got no problem with Gung playing for the Pirates again. America's the land of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. Hey, just mind your own business. A gun is currently hitting 462 in Class A ball in Bradenton. He's going to be in AAA this weekend in Indianapolis. Uh, that's what we're told. So, Gung will be in Pittsburgh soon. Gung said, and I quote, I decided to stop drinking after the third DUI. The next question should have been, why didn't you decide to stop drinking after the second DUI? For that matter, what about after the first DUI? Gung is not going to be driving in Pittsburgh. Hasn't been driving since returning to the U.S. No license. His new translator is also his driver, Mark Kim. Uh, Good luck to Young Ho Gung. And in the immortal words of Chris Elliott, Hey, Top Heavy, bring me a sake and seltzer, Sivu play. What movie was that from? Don't call, tweet me, at Mark Madnex. Hey, Top Heavy, get me a seltzer and sake, Sivu play. Up. Uh, I listened to the B team, and a caller said, well, if Gunn had gone three DUIs in America, he'd be in jail. Well, technically, that's true. Then again, how many celebrities have we seen get three or more DUIs and do even worse and don't go to jail? For example, Ted Kennedy and O.J. Simpson. Gun playing should be no problem to anybody. It just shouldn't. Uh, one thing uh, Chris Johnston talked about from Sportsnet Canada that I find very interesting. Barry Trotz, as we discussed, is in the last year of his contract. The coach. They had zero faith in him coming into the season. They let him coach as a lame duck, which is normally not a good situation, but... He came through, the Caps came through, and Trotz is going to cash in big time. Now, Chris Johnston seemed to think Trotz would be leaving, maybe sitting out for a year and, you know, cherry-picking a prime job. He also said that uh, at least one team was willing to fire its coach to hire Barry Trotz. The only vacant job right this second is the New York Islanders. I bet Lou Lamorello would love to have Trotz. And I bet he could get a huge payday there. But uh, Tavares is leaving. That team's going to have to not just reload but rebuild, although they do have some promising young guys on that team. But I bet Trot stays with the Caps. I think to win the Stanley Cup and have the coach walk would be a, 
a, a real PR faux pas for Washington. So I bet they pay Trotz more than they ever thought he would earn coaching. And I bet Cash overwhelms his pride, as Cash so often does. I think you two wrote a song about that. Cash pride, I forget exactly what. Uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly of the Caps has said he won't go to the White House if the Caps win. He's black. I bet Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Orlov go. Russians should feel very much at home in the Donald Trump White House. Heck, they could probably stay the weekend, sleep in the Lincoln bedroom, which for the occasion would be renamed the Stalin bedroom. Let's go to Zach in Wexford. Zach, you're on with Double M. Oh, hey, Mark. What's good? I was uh, calling about the you know Young Hope Young coming back. And I don't know if this has ever been uh, resolved, the sexual assault allegations that they – he had against them, you know, with out of someone with Tinder, and you know, someone came to his hotel room. Has that been formally resolved, or? Uh, the police apparently can't get hold of the accuser. She's just up and disappeared, and, and I don't know if the case is dead, but it certainly is stalled because she has not been available. Because I heard, I guess through his translator, he released a statement. Uh, he said, uh, "Me so horny." I don't, did you hear that? No, that's stupid. Goodbye. 412, I mean, you know, if you're going to call the show and and make a racist statement to joke about a sexual assault, don't. Just don't. Save that for your sister. And don't get me wrong. There's a time I might have made the same joke, but uh, that time has long since come and gone. Do I miss when there were no rules? Yeah. I do, but now there are, and i got to live by them, and so do you. That said, two live crew, Me So Horny, great song. Offensive as could possibly be. You know he'll get disgusted when he sees your, you see, you can't even sing like two lines of it before you come to something you can't say on the radio. There was one two live cruise song. It had a phrase in it I didn't know was filthy. And I was singing it one day on 1250, just absentmindedly. And like somebody read and said, stop doing that. Uh, these kids today with their crazy nicknames for private parts. Uh, I got a bunch of hockey tweets which we'll get to in just a little bit. And uh, Josh always coming in at 4.30. Here's a couple questions I, I want to talk to Yoey about. I, I alluded to some of them earlier in the program. Might Rust get traded due to the glut at right wing? Might Mata get traded to shake up the defense? The reason I singled out Mata, and I like Ole, personally and professionally. I hope he stays. But they're not going to trade Dumo after the season he had. They're not going to trade Latang. They're not going to trade Schultz because he's right-handed. And a great compliment in the slot on the depth chart behind Latang. Couldn't get nothing for Alexiak. Couldn't get nothing for Ruedel. 
So if you want to shake up the defense, the most logical moving part is Olimata. And as far as the possibility of trading Brian Rust, uh, and they would be trading his rights, by the way. He's uh, a restricted free agent this summer. But if you say Sprong's going to be a regular, you've got Hornquist, Kessel, Sprong, and Rust as your right wings. Where's Rust fit on the fourth line, right? And if I were him, I wouldn't want to play fourth line. If I were them, I wouldn't want to use him fourth line because he is a guy that other teams like and they could probably get a pretty good player for him. Like, not not Eric Carlson. They're not going to, you know, get, get a king's ransom for Brian Russ, but those are the two guys I kind of sense moving. Another thing, and I'm not saying they will. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying that if Rutherford feels the need to make moves, those are two movable guys. It would be much easier to trade one of them than it would be to trade Phil Kessel. Or for that matter, Derek Broussard. And I wouldn't rule out Broussard moving. I've thought about this a lot. Maybe it was because Broussard was injured. But if he was that injured, maybe he shouldn't have played. This coach likes Shea better than Broussard. That's inexplicable. If he does, he's wrong, point blank. This coach likes Dominic Simone a lot. I don't get that either. Can't say Mike Sullivan's wrong and I'm right because Mike Sullivan's got two Stanley Cup rings and has done a great job as coach, but to me, that's inexplicable. Same thing with backup goalie. I mean, who cares about backup goalie? Bajari's a second-round pick. DeSmith has no pedigree. I've always thought it's because Mike Buckley, the goalie coach, worked with DeSmith in college, but that's not a good enough reason to Keep the lesser goalie, which I think the Smith is. He's certainly, by far, the smaller goalie. I don't know. A lot of interesting Penguin topics out there. And we'll get to those with Josh Showy at the bottom of the hour. Up next, got some Penguin tweets. We'll update you on the Pirate Game. It's the Mark Madden Show 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, huge fan. Love the show. Because that's what you got to do. Hey, Mark, big fan and all that. I, 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 I think you're on to something. Hey! DX at 105.9. Bucks lose, Bucks lose, 8-7 at PNC Park to Los Angeles. They got shut out two straight games, and they hit like crazy in the next two, but only won one of those. Pirates back down to 500 at 31-31. and 31. Uh, Diaz and Cervelli each hit home runs. Cervelli's was a pinch hit blast. Uh, Polanco, who shouldn't have started, did. He was 0 for 2. Meadows pinch hit. He was 0 for 1. That's the brilliance of Hurdle. Meadows was hot by playing sporadically. His battle cooled down, and Polanco's will never heat up. What a horrible manager Clint Hurdle has turned into. And while we're berating him, what about Ray Searidge, who, you know, made chicken salad out of chicken scratch back when with guys like Volquez and Liriano? But Jason Tyon, who's this prime prospect, got his ass kicked again today. Eight hits in five innings, three earned runs. ERA up over four now, and he's three and five on the season. There you have it, the Buccos lose. Oh, uh, Sean Rodriguez did not play, which is exactly how I like it. His batting average is 167. 
My IQ is 166. And here they come down the stretch. No, actually, we're nowhere near the stretch. The suffering will continue. We're going to suffer and suffer and suffer some more, and then the pain starts. I got a bunch of tweets about hockey. If you want to tweet, tweet me at Mark Madden X. Here's a couple Daniel Sprong tweets. We're going to talk a lot about him, too much about him. Tony tweets are Rutherford and Selvin on the same page regarding inserting Sprong into the lineup on a regular basis. And Gary tweets, if the Penguins don't trade Kessel, Sprong is automatic third line. Is that good enough for a player like him, or does he need to be a top two lines contributor? Well, guys, you could put Sprong on the third line. He just can't play on the fourth line. But I'd put him with Sid and Gensel. That's the obvious spot, and I say obvious because he's obviously better than Dominic Simone. I don't know if Sullivan and Rutherford are on the same page with Sprong. At a glance, it would appear not, but we won't know until the season gets underway. And now a couple free agent questions. Frank tweets, any chance Rutherford could land John Carlson? Referring, of course, to the Washington defenseman. And Sean adds, any chance James Neal signed with the Penguins? Uh, Frank, Sean, the answers are no and no. Not given the Penguins' cap situation. Neal is a right wing, and they're already flushed with right wings. Carlson is a number one defenseman, and they already have Latang uh, in that job. The Penguins need a middle pair defenseman or a bottom pair defenseman, not a top pair defenseman. A tweet from Randy. Do you think the Penguins will give Hunwick another year to make it work or move him at the draft? Uh, Randy, I think they would like to move Hunwick. But it's tough to move a guy when you scratched him for every single playoff game. That does not exactly hype the merchandise. From Spalding, who I advise to get his foot off the boat, uh, I'm intrigued by Max Domi, despite the close friendship between Mario and his father, Ty. Any word on what Arizona might want in return? Uh, Arizona would want too much in return, which is why I don't see the deal happening. Arizona would want return for Max Domi, the first-round pick, the big talent, yada, yada. But the other GM would want to give return apropos for Max Domi, the guy who only scored nine goals in each of the last two years. I do think he's a major talent. Love to see him come here, but if he would come here and not play well, people would look at that friendship between Mario and his father, Ty Domi, and it wouldn't be a good look. just wouldn't be. So if you're going to get him, make sure he plays better than he has and make sure he scores more than nine friggin' goals. From Jason, with the Penguins seemingly set on DeSmith as the backup, what happens with Jari? Do they use him as part of a package to try to get a first-round pick or as part of a bigger deal or let him play in the AHL more? Uh, that's a tough one. Trading Jari will not get you a first-round pick, and he won't be part of a big deal. You're overvaluing him. But I think he's better than DeSmith, and bigger certainly. But DeSmith gets kept maybe because the goalie coach Buckley, he coached DeSmith in college. DeSmith has no pedigree. Jari was a second-round pick, so you tell me.
from Cousin Foo. Which lines do you play the right wings of Kessel, Hornquist, Sprong, and Rust? Well, that's why I think they might trade Rust. Because if Rust's going to be the fourth-line right wing, he'd have more value to the Penguins in the trade. Unless they make Sprong the fourth-line right wing, fourth line right wing, which would just be a different kind of mistake. And Mark tweets, when is Crosby going to get a true goal score on his line? What do you call Jake Gensel exactly? Jake wasn't great in the regular season, just 22 goals. But he exploded in the playoffs, 10 goals in 12 games. Jake's only 23. He's going to mature and figure out the league even more. And maybe Sprong jumps on Sid's line as well. Up next in studio, these and many other questions will be discussed and answered by Josh Joey of The Athletic. It's the Mark Madden Show 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark Madden. Yes. Your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. The last thing we need is a lot of loose talk. Hmm? Hmm? I like it. I like it. The X at 105.9. Joining me in studio from TheAthletic.com. Where he makes a lot of money. That that's in that's on on in every website. How much you guys make at the Athletic? Uh, no, I think you just bring it up a lot. It is higher than Sean Rodriguez's batting average, though. I well, I would I would hope so. <laughs> it's Josh Joey from theAthletic.com. Josh, uh, looking at the Stanley Cup Final, can Vegas bounce back? And and what would it take? They they look like the wind has really left their sails. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they win tonight just because they've been so great at home all season, but I think this series is pretty much over, and I think maybe we've badly underestimated how much better the Eastern Conference was in the West. Um, I didn't really think about that a couple of weeks ago, but in retrospect, uh, the West is not what it was. For the, you know, when you look back for the last few years, when you know, ten years ago, the Western Conference it seemed like every champion. Oh, they had their run with the Blackhawks yeah. and L.A. Kings. Even the Red Wings before them. Uh, yeah, they had a a lot of power for a long time. I do think the East is better. Vegas's one advantage, I think, over Washington is its team speed. But even in watching the Capitals this year, they are faster than they were the last few years. I think they've proven that, and anything's possible. But Mark Andre Fleury, I think, is just going to have to play out of his mind three games in a row. How much did that miss hurt in Game 4 by James Neal? You could almost see the energy leave the Golden Knights. Yeah, Vegas actually really played well the first 10 minutes of that game. They were the dominant team early in that game. If they score first, who knows? Maybe it is a different script, but that did take the energy out of them. And um, I don't know, though. Uh, to me, when you look especially at Games 2 through 4, uh, Washington has just clearly been the better team. And, and on paper... I suppose they should be the better team, Mark. Let's be honest, but it's easy to get captivated in what Vegas did. And listen, when you roll through the Western Conference the way they did, who can blame you for thinking maybe they're just going to win the whole thing? And who knows, maybe they will. But uh, the Caps have, you know, they've just never played better than they've played the last couple of weeks, and they've been the better team. You know what's funny? I can talk myself into believing the Caps will blow it, though, because <laughs> like you, I think Vegas is going to win tonight at home. And then it goes back to D.C. for what would be the last Caps home game, win or lose, and you know they'd get tight. Yeah, of course they would. And given their history, it would be fascinating to see how they respond under some legitimate pressure in this situation. There's not much pressure on them tonight. They can just go out and play. If they win, they win. Um, but all of a sudden, when you come back home, that's when the pressure really kicks in, knowing that that's your only chance to clinch the cup is at home. And the last thing, of course, they'd want to do is go back to a Game 7 in Vegas where that place would be an insane asylum. So I'm actually kind of cheering for Vegas tonight. I just want to see how the Caps would respond in a Game Me 6. Me too. I want to see how it plays out. Yeah, because then there is some real pressure because, really, they can be nice and loose and just go out and play tonight. 
Who's your playoff MVP right now? You know, I keep hearing everybody pick Ovechkin, and I totally understand where that's coming from. Well, well, here's I, what I think. I think Kuznetsov the, is the actual MVP. Yeah. I think Ovechkin's going to win. Oh, absolutely. He will. And I'll tell you why. Um, Ovechkin, you'll never find a Canadian who doesn't love Ovechkin. I'm serious, because he plays like a Canadian. They really love him up there. They do. And, and so the me, the media is largely Canadian that votes for this. They all love him. And I, Listen, if it's a career achievement award, that's fine. It's, it's quite deserving. It, to me, I would probably give Kuznetsov the edge. I think he has four or five more points than Ovechkin. Well, he's 31 points, which is tied for the second highest output uh, since since Sid hit that no nine. And, and to me, he scored the two biggest goals of this postseason for Washington. Game five against the Penguins when he got the breakaway, when he burned Latang, tied the game up, and then game six in overtime to win the series against the Penguins. To me, those were the two biggest goals they've scored all postseason. Plus, he's their leading point getter. Plus, he got hurt, and I think it was game one. Of the, was it one or two, and then he had a couple of monster games afterwards in the final. So to me, he's the guy. He's been the difference maker. I have no problem with Ovechkin winning it. He's been great, and I think he will win it. But either's a good pick. But to me, Kuznetsov has just been a dominant player for them. Uh, Josh, I've been doing some Penguin offseason talk today. Who are the most likely Penguins to move? And, and despite all the big name rumors like Kessel, mm-hmm. I've come up with two. Number one is Brian Rust. Other teams like him, and there's a big log jam at right wing rust is a possibility he's a legitimate one and remember he's a restricted free agent right you you trade his rights yeah and he's doing a a bit of a raise and 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 the penguins love him They, they they don't want to trade him the problem is he is a natural right wing you've already got patrick hornquist and phil kessel over there and jim rutherford has made it very clear that daniel sprong is going to be on the penguins roster next season he's not a fourth line style player he's just not so that means you're either playing Russ out of position on the left side or you're playing him in a fourth line role and he's too good for that so yeah that that makes him i think a legitimate possibility i don't know that he's somebody they want to trade but in terms of just a hockey trade if you will he, he would make some sense yes do you believe sprong will be a regular and if so at what spot in the lineup I do. I think they have determined that he should be ready by now. It's time to find out about him. I think he will be a top nine right wing. Uh, does that mean he's automatically on a line with Crosby or Malkin? I don't know about that. Remember, those two are pretty picky about who they play with as well. And I've never really gotten a sense from either of those guys about how they feel about Sprong. Sid played with him briefly in January. They actually had some success together. Um, you know, Mike Sullivan, Sullivan loves the idea of Phil Kessel being on the third line. Phil Kessel doesn't like it so much. Um, you know, maybe they consider that. Hornquist is a guy who you can put on the third line, and he's still going to score a ton on the power play, and he'll make your third line better. So they have options there, but I think that's probably the top three rotation at right wing that you're looking at. Well, I feel like Sprong's best fit is with Sid. You're not going to put the lines together to benefit Sprong, but uh, that's where I'd put him. I don't know where Sullivan would put him. I don't know where Sid would want him. Um, yeah, I, I tell you, I really liked how they looked together. In fact, the, the Penguins season absolutely turned around. I believe it was January 5th in Brooklyn when everything was going wrong for the Penguins. That Friday night in Brooklyn, Sid had a couple of, or Sid had a goal sprung at two goals playing on Sid's line. That was the, the moment that ignited Sid this season. And he and Sprung looked great for a few games. So I think there was some chemistry there. And listen, Sid's the best playmaker in hockey. Sprung is a natural goal scorer. It kind of makes sense to some extent, I think. And um, it's clear to me that Mike Sullivan doesn't like shoot first players with Malkin as much. He wants Gino to be shooting first, which is why he had Hornquist and Haglin with him for so 
uh, so much time this season. So maybe Sprung and Sid does make sense together, and I think you'll see it at some point. I don't think there's any question. We're talking to Josh Shelley of The Athletic here on the Mark Madden Show. The other guy I see moving is Ole Mata. He had a great season, got healthy, but he's movable. And I feel like they might want to shake up the D. I guess it's possible, but just from conversations I've had with Jim Rutherford, I think it's pretty unlikely. He really loves Ole, and I think he feels like, yes, of course you could move him. My gosh, you would get a lot in return for him. He only makes $4 million a year, and he's 23 years old. Um, it's a good contract he has, and he's obviously a very good player. But I think that Jim, in his way of thinking, this is a player who is still going to get better, and it's such of a reasonable contract. You need guys who aren't making too much money, especially with how much money Latang and Schultz make. So I-, I won't say it's impossible, especially with the emergence of Jamie Alexiak, who they do think is potentially a legitimate top-four defenseman, and I can see why, given the way he played for them. But I- I'd be surprised if Mata were dealt. Jim really, really likes him. Well, one thing people maybe don't get, that lefty-righty stuff on defense makes such an impact when you want to make a move. I think we learned the hard way just this past season that switching sides on defense ain't that simple. No, it's not an easy thing at all. And the funny thing about Alexiak, he was actually better on the right side, which is a little unusual. We've seen that at times over the years. Matt Niskanen actually was good on the left side for the Penguins. But in general, it's a nice thing to have. And I heard you talking about this earlier. It's why Justin Schultz absolutely won't be traded. Number one, he's insurance for Latang, who did not have a great season. And number two, these right-handed defensemen are so valuable, Mark. It's They're like left-handed pitchers. Uh, they're always going to make more money than, than maybe what they deserve just because of you know, what hand they shoot with. Now, is there anybody you think the Penguins might trade? Not look to, necessarily, but be open to. Well, there's a number of players that are open to trading. I do think Jim Rutherford would like to trade Connor Sherry if he could. Um, you know, He's got two more years left on his contract at $3 million a year. They don't hate the guy. He does produce. He's certainly not as movable as Rutz, though, is no, he? No, he's not. That's the problem. Um <laughs> You know, he scored, what, 18 or 19 goals this season, but he's he's maddeningly streaky, as we know. And I, I think the problem for the Penguins around the league is there's a perception, and probably a fair one with Sherry, that his numbers are largely a product of playing with Sidney Crosby. Uh, I mean, Sid has made that guy a lot of money. I don't think there's any question about it, and I think everyone around the league is well aware of it. I think they would trade him if they could. I don't know that that's really that much of a possibility, though. He would maybe have to be a throw-in on a bigger trade. And the other guy I would bring up, and it's unlikely, but it's not impossible, is Derek Broussard. Um, yeah, he was hurt. He had a groin injury. I don't think anybody's dismissing that. But he didn't fit in very well. He really didn't. And they could get something for him. And whether it's correct or not, they think Shayan's a viable option as their third-line center. And and you know I, I and I see you rolling your eyes and I, I agree with you, but um, I don't think Broussard will be traded. But I don't think they're totally opposed to the idea. Well, of it. why do they like Shane so much? And do they like him better than Broussard? Does Sully think Shane's superior to Derek Broussard? I don't think that he thinks he's superior, but I think that he finds Shane to be a much better defensive player, and he thinks he's better with Phil Kessel than Broussard was. He's wrong. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with and, you necessarily. And, and if you need another opinion, ask Phil. <laughs> Agreed. And, and, you know, Broussard, before he got hurt that game in Detroit in late March, he actually, I think, had a seven-game scoring streak. He was starting to find his way a little bit. He's a good hockey player. I, I don't think they're going to trade Broussard, but I don't think he's on the untouchable and, list and I either. I don't think Shane's a rotten player, 
I just think he's a fourth-line center. A good one, but that's what he is. I think he's a very good fourth-line center. He's another RFA who is going to get a little bit of a race. He just doesn't score that much. I mean, that's that's the thing with him. But one year he didn't score at all. <laughs> until game 82, as I recall. Right, exactly. But he's a good player. He, he's, he's a fourth-line center, though. That's what he is. Why do they like Dominic Simone so much, and where does he fit in? I I don't know. <laughs> uh, the coaching staff, boy, they really like him. I know Mark Recchi likes him. I know Mike Sullivan likes Why him. Why do they like him? I, they they think he's coachable. That that he listens when when they speak. They they think he plays kind of a gritty game for his size. All of which may be true, but the guy just doesn't finish, and that, that's my issue with him. And he and he doesn't really fit in. When you think of the Penguins, you think of speed and skill, and those are the two things he doesn't really have. I mean, he's pretty good on the boards. I'll give him credit for that for his size. He digs pucks out, that kind of thing. But he's kind of slow. And when you look at how the Penguins playing with the wingers that Crosby and Malkin like having, they want speed at all times. And he just doesn't bring that to the table. So they like Simone because he listens, quite frankly, and he's coachable, and I understand that. But he strikes me as a good top liner in Wilkes-Barre, maybe a fringe NHL player, certainly not a guy who should be playing with Crosby See, or Malkin. That, that listen stuff's not a good enough reason. I agree. I would play Sprong over Simone if Sprong were deaf. <laughs> I like, no, I mean, maybe he's related to Helen Keller. Was she Dutch? I don't think so. Uh, now but, see the Helen Keller jokes. Uh, see, did I go too far? Maybe I did. It's 2018. I forgot. But no. That, that's the athletic.com commenter <laughs> speaking right now. But um, no, I, I don't disagree with you. And especially in the playoffs when they were having trouble scoring and Simone was just killing them with the bad penalties and the inability to finish, it, it is curious that Sprong was not in the lineup. Uh, this is kind of inconsequential because it's only the backup goalie. But they like the Smith over Jari, it, it seems. Why is that? Well, first of all, Jari obviously has the pedigree that right. is far more impressive than DeSmith. I will give DeSmith some credit. His numbers were better than Jari's this season at the NHL level and the AHL level. They were. Um, so it's not like he was a disaster by any stretch. Um, there is a history there with the goaltender coach going all the way back to New Hampshire. Right. Mike Buckley um, coached uh, yeah. Casey DeSmith at the University of New Hampshire. They go way back. They love the kid. Um, yeah, that's not a good enough reason either. No, but I, I think there's a, a connection there. And I, I also think that the Penguins realize Jari has the brighter NHL future. And I, I do understand the thinking that it made more sense for him just to play every game in Wilkesbury. But at some point, you've got to play your best players. And if you think Jari's better, then maybe he should have been the backup. It didn't hurt the Penguins this past season. But I think it's very – that's something I'm very interested in watching uh, come training camp in September because I really feel like it's open competition for that backup job. Have you heard any more in the Kessel situation or the non-Kessel situation, <laughs> whatever the case may be? Well, it's not a non-situation. I, I know there are people out there on, in the Twitterverse who like to think that people like us are stirring up uh, Kessel talk for the sake of ratings or story hits. But I, um, Well, I know L.A.'s called Jim for sure. Absolutely they have. And listen – I think Arizona has, too. That That's the one that would make sense, given Kessel's relationship with Rick Tockett. And teams are absolutely calling the Penguins, and Mike Sullivan and Phil Kessel absolutely have relationship issues. Is that a good enough reason to trade a guy? Not necessarily, but it's happened before. It will happen again. Phil's not an easy guy to coach. He does wear out his welcome everywhere he has been. That doesn't mean Phil's a bad guy. I would suggest Phil's just an extraordinarily quirky guy that always rubs coaches the wrong way. Um, so do I think they're going to trade Phil Kessel this summer? If I had to guess, I would say no. I don't think they will. But if a team comes along and makes the right offer, will they? Yeah. 
They'll absolutely consider and, and, it. And might they consider it between now and the deadline, if not uh, during the offseason. Sure. I, I think, you know, and that's where the relationship between coach and player would, would you know, push it one way or the other. Yeah, I get the feeling that ultimately Jim Rutherford does not want to trade Kessel, but he's not against it. And as I've written many times before, um, in the relationship between Rutherford and Mike Sullivan, uh, Sullivan is very much the alpha figure in that relationship. He generally gets what he wants. Yeah, they brought in Ryan Reeves. Well, guess what? He didn't like him, so he didn't play him, so they got rid of Ryan Reeves. Ian Cole is there. Well, he didn't want Ian Cole to play, so Jim traded Ian Cole. There's a long line of this. Yeah, but Reeves and Cole aren't Kessel. No, And it's always been a player's team and not a coach's team. And I don't think the people way upstairs are going to care about Ian Cole or Ryan Reeves. They might care about Phil Kessel. Well, it all goes to the guy who wants more number 66. Right. Um, you're right. And uh, he, he he owns the Penguins in a manner in which he would have liked them to have been owned when he played. It is a player's organization. You're right. It always has been. And it's worked out pretty good. Sure it has, but... There is a lot of respect for Mike Sullivan in that organization, No question, too. and deservedly so. Yes, so that's why it's such a, a complex situation. Yes, it, it is. It's not just a franchise for players. It's a franchise for stars, and Phil Kessel is very much that. Nobody's questioning that. But the stars were pretty much lost until Mike Sullivan came around in December of 2015, and look at what they've done since. He does deserve some credit for that, which makes this whole situation that much more interesting. Josh... If the Penguins hadn't won cups in 16 and 17, would they be looking to trade of getting Malkin right now? Probably. I, I, I mean, it's possible. Because then you're looking to reload because it didn't work. I would think, yeah, if you could change time and, you know, what, that would have been about nine years since they had last won the Stanley Cup. I have to think some significant changes would have happened. Obviously, things are completely different. The narrative has completely changed since then. We forget about those years where, what was it, five years in a row, the Penguins lost to a lower-seeded playoff team, which is pretty incredible, really, when you consider the, the rosters that they had during those times. Everything is different. Yeah, probably. I don't. I think Sidney Crosby has always been and will always be untradeable uh, until oh, yeah, he says otherwise. He, he sells all the tickets. But, and, and you know, Malkin, there were always rumors about Malkin. I don't think they ever seriously considered it. Oh, no, no, like, it. right now he's untouchable. Right. And he might have always been because... I know Mario Lemieux very much regretted trading Yager in 2001 and it, it kind of vowed after that to never yeah. let something similar happen. That's right, and I think Mario has a soft spot for Malkin. He sees a little bit of himself in Gino. I think, just the way he plays the game. I think he's always felt that way. Um, but, yeah, it is funny to sit back and wonder how things may have been different um, if those disastrous playoff campaigns in 12 and 13 had kept repeating themselves. But uh, luckily for the people who run the Penguins, those decisions no longer have to be made because all is still pretty well despite what happened a month ago. That's Josh Oey from The Athletic, brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. I'm Mark Madden. I'll talk to Bob McGawk in a few moments here on 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's happening, Mark? Loud noises! <laughs> yeah. DX at 105.9. Somebody tweeted about Terrell Owens declining the invitation to the induction ceremony for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Joe Thomas, the former Cleveland Browns tackle, retweeted it and added, Hell hath no fury like a girlfriend scorned. There's any number of things he's trying to get at there. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, there's a report that Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots, the wide receiver, 
will be suspended four games for violating uh, the PED rule. And that's extremely interesting because he's working with the same personal trainer uh, who was also Tom Brady's longtime guru, Alex Guerrero. That's going to get a lot of people asking a lot of questions, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. That story is going to be front and center. He's a 32-year-old receiver, bigger guy than what you think his frame could hold, speedy guy. Um, so you could see with that age and what, you know, what the Patriots offense does, uh, you could see maybe a need to get onto that mark. But um, reporters yesterday at their practice, at their OTA, said something was off with him. He was one of the last guys out there. He spent a lot of time on the bike talking with trainers, didn't meet with the media. Then when Robert Kraft came out, he kind of sidled over and spent some time talking with him. So it looks it hasn't been formally announced yet that he will get it. But from all the reports coming out of Boston, it looks like it's absolutely going to happen and here comes the cheating thing again with the Patriots. You well, know? well, right. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, and the Steelers can't throw stones because Marvell Smith right. uh, just got the, uh, not Marvell Smith. Marvell no. Smith retired like a million years ago. Who am I thinking of? You're thinking of? Uh, the right tackle. How yeah. Can, uh, Marcus Gilbert. Marcus Gilbert. Marcus got it. Gilbert. Marvell Smith. Now, was that Gilbert's first? He got four yeah, games because that was his first. Yeah. Right, and, and this is Edelman's uh, first, so that's, you know, they're they're thinking of... Well, right, know. so the Steelers can't throw stones, but again, it is another brick in the wall of the Patriots' cheating culture. Yeah, and the other thing is, Mark, with all the stories that you've heard about Guerrero and, you know, kind of the sway that he has over Brady, and when Brady puts him on to other people, he kind of just takes over. So... Maybe Guerrero's got, you know, a way that he does things that's kept him clean for a long time, or maybe this is just Edelman. Uh, we don't know when it happened, actually. So he could just be getting this now for something that happened before he began the Guerrero stuff, and maybe he went to Guerrero because he knew he was going to get close to getting caught or needed to get off of it. Um, but, boy, like you said, this is going to be on the front page for a while because it's kind of a big deal. Bob, um I mentioned some names that I think the Penguins might trade, not look to trade, but would be available in the right deal. I said Rust and Mata. I said uh, Josh Yoey, who was just here, said Derek Broussard. Uh, uh, what What do you think of those three names? Anybody you'd like to add? Well, I was listening to you with Stan today, and when you brought up the Ole Mata name, I was I actually kind of looked at the speakers, too, because that kind of shocked me. Um, I know that the Penguins and Josh just said the same thing. They really like him there, and I thought he had a tremendous season last year. Uh, Dumo, I agree with you. He's untouchable. He had a tremendous year last year. He just keeps getting better and better for the Penguins, uh, solid for their blue liners. Broussard, I like what Josh said there, that he just didn't seem to be a fit with the Pens. And, you know, he's got one year left on his deal. It's a modified no trade, so, you know, Rutherford would really have to do some digging and make something work there. But he seems to be the fit, and unfortunately, as much as I like Brian Rust, and I think he should get more of a chance uh, with their top two pairs, or not top two pairs, their top two lines, um, he might have to be trade bait also just because of what he can do and because he can be a multi-purpose player. Well, yeah, Rust isn't as good at left wing, and they got Sprong, Hornquist, and Kessel. That's the writing on the wall, isn't it? Yeah, he's physical, though. Uh, he does show streaks of offense. Uh, he's in every play. He's fast. He's got all the tools. Um, he's definitely going to be somebody that some other team would like a piece of because when you look up and down the Penguins lineup, they're going to have to be real choosy 
with who they put out there on the market. Because you're right, uh, they are absolutely a top four, top three contender for the Stanley Cup next year with what they have right now. That's Bob McLaughlin. I'm Mark Madden. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about an absolutely Herculean feat that took place last night at PNC Park. 105.9 The X.